The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Full Court Press. A happy Monday here on September 28th. We stare down the... uh, down the end of the tunnel of the month of September and get ready for October, which also means football. Utah State, Mount West Conference, getting into action starting October 24th. Pac-12 will be in action in uh, November. We're that much closer to college football here in uh, Logan, Utah. Can't wait to have it back. Uh, be a lot of uh, press conferences and such coming up here. Uh, probably here within the next two, three weeks, give or take, uh, as the uh, Aggies will get ready for their season opener. Who will be that season opener is yet to be determined. We do not know yet. So, and that schedule, according to Mr. Hartwell, who said on a sports radio show this morning on DJ and PK uh, in Salt Lake City that they uh, that they should have a schedule out very soon, were his words. So, expect that to come out within... Hopefully by the end of this week, be interested to see what that schedule looks like and uh, and where the Aggies will start off their season at and how they will end it. Are they? And don't forget that this schedule will be revised from the original one that was put out for conference, so it will not look the same. The order of teams will not be the same, nor will the uh, home and road splits look the same as well. So uh, it could be different. We'll see how it affects teams uh, and uh, what they had coming. For Utah State, it was... It was going to be tough, no doubt about it. They were at Colorado State, at Wyoming, at Boise State, while they had San Diego State, Fresno State at home, uh, and New Mexico as well. So no givens. uh, So we'll see if that by chance changes and if the Aggies benefit from this restart of the football season. All right, you heard it at the top of the hour. Doc Rivers. Los Angeles Clippers head coach, no more. Look, I knew there were some changes that needed to be made. I knew that they had to make some adjustments. You don't, with a team like this, in a win-now mode, you don't go out there and uh, blow a 3-1 series lead to the Nuggets, who went through an exhausting seven-game series already with the uh, Utah Jazz. You don't blow a 3-1 series lead with a team like that and expect not to have some sort of changes, especially maybe on the bench. When I say the bench, I mean the players themselves. Maybe create a deeper bench, a more athletic bench, a more productive bench, right? Nope. They start at the top. They chop the head right off. Down goes Doc Rivers. He's the first coach, by the way, in NBA history to blow multiple 3-1 series leads. He did it in 2003 with Orlando. He did it in 2015 versus uh, with the with the Clippers when they played the Rockets, and of course they did it here against the Nuggets in this uh, restart playoff in the bubble in Florida. But it's the way they did it that might have drawn concern from the Clippers front office. They had double digit leads of 16 in Game Four, or in Game Five, excuse me. They had 19 lead, 19 point lead in Game Six. They had a 12 point lead in Game Seven. Up three games to one, 16, 19, 12. And they lost all three of them. 
A team that's built for win-now mode needs means they need to make it to the Western Conference Finals, which in the 50 years of the LA Clippers, of their franchise, they've never done that. Being in win-now mode means that you are competing, or at least a real contender, for an NBA championship. They fell majorly short of those expectations, but again, I don't think that's on Doc. Or at least it's not on Doc alone. I think it's a poor bench. Uh, There might have been some chemistry issues within the starting lineup or even within the locker room, right? Uh, Patrick Beverly was out for a little bit. They had some injury issues here and now. It's not all on the head coach. But again, that's, I mean, it's like the quarterback of the NFL team. The head coach isn't going to take the hit. The quarterback's going to. In this regard, there is no quarterback. It is the head coach. There's no brace for impact, if you will. The question now is, is how do you replace a guy like Doc Rivers, who is as, as even though his recent Game 7 history is not good at all. He still has that veteran experience dealing with locker rooms, handling big-time players, handling egos. How do you find someone to replace that? Now, Tyrone Liu is the head associate coach for the Clippers, but I don't think he's a fit at all. There's no way that a guy... Especially one who coached, everyone's going to say, well, he won an NBA championship. That's incredibly wrong. LeBron James won the NBA championship. Tyrone Lue sat with his hands in his pockets and watched LeBron James go to work in games five, six, and seven. This gig is probably too overwhelming, too over the head for Tyrone Lue. If I'm, a, if I'm Steve Ballmer, I'm looking at. Mike D'Antoni, based on his experience, like he was actually really good in Houston. I thought he was really good in Houston. The Clint Capella trade of letting him go, I think was the killer. That wasn't his call, but I think that's what killed the Houston Rockets. Can't play small ball in this league and get away with it. Even as the game transcends towards the three-point line. I think Mike D'Antoni is a great fit. I do, uh, but I think a better fit than him, and this is according to Adrian Wojnarowski as well, I, I thought this from the get-go, Jeff Van Gundy would be an absolute fantastic fit for this team. When I listen to Jeff Van Gundy call a Clippers game, it seems like he knows where the holes are, where the issues are. Now, of course, as an analyst or as an armchair analyst or coach like you and I are, we see things in a brighter picture, in a bigger picture, uh, and might have a cleaner uh, mind, if you will, to say, well, this is what they should be doing. But listening to Jeff Van Gundy, who used to coach the Knicks, used to coach the Rockets, and was very good as well, I think he's a great fit for the Clippers. If they want to win now, Jeff Van Gundy's your guy. I don't know who else you get that's an experienced coach that you may that you even sniff at. 
Stan Van Gundy, absolutely not. Um, God, who? I mean, who else would you? Billy Donovan's in Chicago. I don't know if he would have been a great fit either, though. I mean, honestly, I'm running out of like answers here. I don't know who else you go to. But I, I, I just, I feel like Jeff Van Gundy will be that guy. He, he would be that guy. I would strongly imagine he gets an interview. Tyrone Lou will as well. And another guy who's not had a head coaching position but deserves one, bear with me here, is Sam Cassell. Player expertise. Great player development coach. Uh, knowledge of the game. Like You remember he was a guard for the back-to-back Houston Rockets championship squad. Uh, he was with Boston, where Doc Rivers was as a player. Um, a very small minutes backup point guard. Very small minutes backup point guard. Sam Cassell would be a really good fit with energy, knowledge of player, relationship with players, but also a way to be able to just the, the IQ he has as well. I don't think Sam Cassell's even considered for the job, if I'm being honest. I don't think there's any any way at all. So Doc Rivers had two years left on his on his contract, but again, it's the challenge of of finding a, the ultimate. You know, hey, I want to win right now, coach. For a, I want to win right now, team, with the ego that might be involved. When I say ego, I'm talking about Kawhi Leonard because he is a diva. Paul George because he is a diva. Patrick Beverly. Lou Williams, Montrez Harrell. If you want a win-now guy, you got to find a win-now coach. And I don't know how long Van Gundy wants to be in the league. I don't know if he has any interest in the Clippers' job. Again, I like I said, I think there's a 100% chance he's asked for about an interview. And I think there's a 99.9% chance he's, he's thinking, at least, of interviewing with them. But to take that... And go with Tyrone Liu, who's had some years of experience at head coach, yes. But underneath LeBron James, and when LeBron James left, you saw what kind of coach Tyrone Liu really was. Not a horrible coach, but even with the likes of a, of a Kyrie or Kevin Love, couldn't do much with the roster. They immensely struggled. Were horrible, actually. I think this gig might be just a bit above Tyler... Tyrone Lou's head. But Jeff Van Gundy, when he was with the Knicks, when he was with the the Rockets, I mean, you're talking about Tracy McGrady, you know, me on the Rockets. You're talking about Latrell Sprewell. <laughs> uh, you're talking about uh, he, Allen Houston. Patrick Viewing. I mean, there's all sorts of people. And I just, I feel like he would be your best fit to handle this group of divas in a very diva-like town, be in L.A. Again, Doc Rivers out as the head coach of the L.A. Clippers. He was, uh, he had multiple shots to go after a championship and the team just couldn't get it done. And again, they're up three games to one versus the Nuggets. Leads of 16, 19, 12, and lost all three leads, lost the series. 
don't feel like it's all on Coach Rivers, though. I feel like that might be a bit too much. Uh, other news and notes going around, around the league. By the way, at 420, we're going to have Tony Parks. Uh, one of my favorite dudes in the sports world and uh, became very close with him. Uh, Tony, uh, he called, or he helped call the uh, Ridgeline Skyview game for TV. We're going to ask him about his thoughts on Ridgeline Skyview Regional 11 football and high school football overall. We're going to get his thoughts on college football. The AP rankings came out. What do they look like? And how unfair is it that teams are being bumped down who have played games for Power 5 teams who haven't even stepped on the field for a game yet? We're going to talk about the NFL. We're going to get his thoughts on his uh, beloved Chicago Bears. <laughs> uh, so much more to talk with Tony. That's coming up at about 4.20, maybe just a little bit after. Uh, Eric Franson is gone today. He'll be back on Wednesday. So it's you, me, myself, and I today and tomorrow. But Eric did join me uh, for a couple of pre-recorded segments. We're going to play those in the 5 o'clock hour at the end. Uh, we're going to talk about the preview of the NBA Finals between the Heat and Lakers, a lot of delicious storylines in there. Really good storylines. And then we're also going to preview MLB Baseball. Playoffs start tomorrow, and they start early. And I mean very early, so brace for that. Uh, Again, other news and notes. uh, Earl Thomas, the uh, former, I'm going to say former great defensive back because he's lost a lot uh, due to injuries and age and such. Uh, he's lost a lot of that steam, but he's most likely to sign with the Houston Texans, according to Adam Scheffler. Uh, by the way, Lakers, in speaking of the finals, are heavy favorites over the Heat. Minus 400 favorites. That's according to William Hill U.S. Sportsbooks. And the Heat are listed as plus 320 as underdogs. I do not bet, so I have no idea what those means. But it must be a good thing. Uh, also, Chicago Bears, Mitchell, Mitchell Trebusk. <laughs> well, I've talked to Tony about this too, but Mitchell Trubisky may have played his last game as a Chicago Bear. Nick Foles has been named the starter. Does he keep that job for the remaining of the time, and do they find a way to get rid of Mitch? Uh, we're going to get to some NFL scores here later on at the bottom of the hour. Uh, big Monday night game tonight, by the way. Really juicy Monday night game. Kansas City Chiefs 2-0. They're at Baltimore. They're 2-0. Patrick Mahomes versus Lamar Jackson. Baltimore is a three-and-a-half favorite. Over, under. You taking the taking the team of the points? Give me your thoughts. Hey, if you want to be a part of the show, 435-339-0321 to text in or 435-752-1069 to call in. Uh, we're going to get to our bread and butter play of the week presented to you by Old Chris Mill. Uh... That will be done at 5.15. Around that 5.15 mark, maybe closer, I guess maybe closer to the before than after 5.15 mark, uh, you will have a chance to win four loaves of bread from Old Grist Mill. All you have to do is at 5.15 or when I call for it, you'll call into our station and you'll give us the Old Grist Mill Bread and Butter Play of the Week uh, that was announced by John Newbold and Rex Davis after Skyview's dismantling of the Mountain Crest Mustangs. I uh, want to congratulate our preps, our preps pick'em winner for Week 7, Ryan Jenks. Had the highest score this week in our uh, preps pick'em contest, presented by the Logo Shop. Uh, by the way, the Logo Shop is your booster club for headquarters for high school competitive and club teams 
for having the highest score this week. Ryan has won a $100 gift card to Locker42 to grab himself some Aggie swag. Uh, now, this week, uh, we'll be giving away a $100 gift card to AquaTech, Carl Wash. And when the high school football se- uh, schedule comes to a close, we'll be giving away a 65-inch 4K TV from Lynn's Audio and Video. If you want to participate in the Preps Pick'em Contest, super easy. All you have to do is go to CashValleyDaily.com or even go to our 1069thefam.com page and uh, click on the Preps Pick'em Contest, sign up or log in, whichever you need to do, and be a part of the experience by picking the teams and selecting the winners. Uh, again, you can be eligible for prizes such as $100 to gift card to McDonald's, which you're giving away, uh, to uh, Johnny O Spudnut Donuts. Love Johnny O Spudnuts. Uh, $100 to Locker 42, Aquatech, so on and so forth. And again, the grand prize is a 65-inch screen TV presented to you by Linz and Audio Video. Again, but congratulations to Ryan Jenks, who has won this week's uh, Preps Pick'em Contest, presented by the Logo Shop, a $100 gift card to Locker 42. All right, time to take a break. Coming back, it is one of my favorite people in the world. It's Tony freaking Parks. And uh, we might have him bring his guest along, a very special guest. You'll see what I'm talking about coming up here next. Win a 65-inch 4K flat-screen TV from Lens Audio Video in the Preps Pick'em Contest, presented by The Logo Shop. Sign up to play at 1069thefan.com. Pick the weekly winners of each high school game, and you could win one of 11 weekly prizes and be entered to win the Grand Prize TV. Go to 1069thefan.com, and you could win. It's the Preps Pick'em Contest on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Oh, McGarrel has a farm, an appliance farm. Talking the sports you care about. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. The Full Court Press. I'm Aljay Salveson flying solo today. Eric Franson's gone. He'll be gone till Wednesday. Uh, we did a couple of pre-recorded segments with him earlier in the day, so you'll hear from him later on this evening. Uh, he'll be back Wednesday, so it's you, me, myself, and I, but not right now. In fact, it's my pleasure and honor to introduce one of my good friends and uh, one of the smartest sports people I've ever talked to who has an encyclopedia for a brain when it comes to games, moments, plays, you, you... Ask it, and he knows it. It's Tony Parks here joining me on the Full Court Press. Tony, my man, how are we? You're too kind, man. How you doing? Oh, it's all the truth, and you know that. Hey, uh, <laughs> I want to start here. You had a chance to be a part of the TV crew to call the Skyview Ridgeline High School football game showdown of one and two. Give me some of your biggest takeaways that you got from both teams. Well, I, the first thing I'd say about that game is I thought it was uh, the best two teams in their classification. Um I 100% believe that. The other thing is I thought both of those two teams would contend in 5A. Uh, I think that, and I don't think I'm being, you know, extreme when I say that as well. I loved how tense that game was, the incredible back and forth. Uh, I loved the toughness of Ridgeline with how difficult a task they were going to be facing down two scores against Skyview. That's not an easy thing, you know. And uh, they were able to put together the drives. I thought they were actually starting to wear them down. And, you know, a couple big mistakes, you know, make a big difference in deciding the game. But I would not be shocked at all to see those two teams meet up again in Rice-Eccles. And if they did, 
I wouldn't be uh, shocked to, to see that the winner of that matchup would be the winner of the state title, you know, whether they met up in the semis or the final. So I, I loved what I watched there, and I thought the best version of high school football for the classification of 4A was undoubtedly with those two teams. And then going forward, um, you, you know, I, I thought, like, if you put them in 5A, I don't know if they'd win it, but I think they would contend. And I, I, I loved Evan Webb. You know what I mean? There were just so many good players out there. So tough. I thought Hunter Lewis was really fun to watch. You know, uh, Luke Bradford had some nice plays. Carl, you know, Walter Collins, Cole Watterson has been kind of a, a great player so far this year. Titan Saxton. Like, there's just names that are there that I don't think a lot of people were really familiar with that I think they now can understand, even if they're not household names within the state based on where they're going to go play or if they're heavily recruited. But there are guys there that you can watch and say, you know what, that's a dang good player, and this is a dang good team. And so I hope we see them again because I love nothing more than to, to be a part of the broadcast when they're facing each other in the future. Does Skyview have a legit shot even without the, the play of Mason Faltzliff, who's now graduated, a legit shot at winning a state championship again? Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Skyview, I, mean, I watch what they do uh, defensively. They're incredibly tough. I mean, that, that's a defense that uh, might even have more speed than they did a year ago, which is crazy to say. Uh, I don't know if they're, you know, they, they still want some more of that playmaking and explosiveness, and I think they're only going to get better. Um, what's crazy is you look at the, you know, the meaningful touchdowns they've given up, and it's very, very few. Um, so that Ridgeline game was another one of those matchups where, it was kind of surprising to see the way that the game played itself out. But here's what you showed me. They can play in a variety of different ways, right? They can sling it down the field, play with a high-flying sort of game, uh, you know, rack up a ton of points. Uh, but they also showed me they can line it up and go, you know, 13 plays, 80 yards, 658 off the clock, and punch it in the end zone by, you know, with a ground-and-pound type game. Uh, they have the guys up front. Uh, to be spectacular in that way. And so I, I loved it. I thought it was really, really fun. Uh, I, I thought the guys up front in the offensive line battle, uh, they were fun to watch. Evan Hall is a, is a great dude up there. I thought Ty McPhee played his tail off. Bracken Schumann, you know, these are guys that if they need to line it up and just punch you in the face, uh, they can do it. And so as much as I love watching, you know, Larson and Saxton go up and make catches, and I think Nyman is very underrated, you know, th those guys are fun to watch with deep balls and stuff like that. The fact that they're so versatile in the way they can play is why I would still pick them to win the title. Give me your thoughts on this RPI thing. Uh, Ridgeline beats Logan by 30. They drop a spot. Uh, Bear River is 0-3 in region. Uh, Logan is 2-1 and in region, but mm -hmm. Bear River is three spots ahead of them. What is your thoughts on this RPI thing? Is it working in your opinion, or do we need to go back to the old no, format? I, I, I've never been big on it. I was never really big on it. I did like uh, the idea that you know, certain amount of teams from regions would go to the playoffs, and then that way you didn't have politics involved, you didn't have some other quirky method involved. It was straightforward, right? And usually it was if you finished in dead last, you didn't go to the playoffs. Well, that's on you. You know, like I don't know what to say. If you're dead last, like, you don't have much of an argument. So I kind of enjoyed that. I don't like everybody making the playoffs except this season. Let me make that clear. I think this season is the exception where, you know, with all the variables, I'm okay with it. But I never, yeah, like the RPI, I've never been 
kind of huge on the way it does it because I, I don't think it like to try and weigh and balance the value of different wins is very difficult and they're not all created equal. Uh, who else is looking sharp in foray football so far in your opinion? Well, there's, I mean, you have, I, uh, first of all, I, I don't even though Ridge's line lost that game, right? Like we talk about that. I think they're still a team that, that is going to be great and, and, and compete and be deep into the postseason And, I'm not shocked if they go on to win the whole entire thing. I mean, they, I, in my opinion, uh, they are that tough. Now, um, my other picks out there, I think Snow Canyon is very good. I like Pineview, um, Stansbury, Park City. Um, there's a number of teams out there that I think are, are um, very attractive and are playing very, very good football. So 4A this year, in my opinion, has been a little deeper um, than what most people would probably perceive. I don't think they have been paying quite as much attention to it, but I, I really like a lot of you know, what I'm watching from so many of these different teams. So in my in my rankings, I have uh, like Skyview 1, Ridgeline 2, Pine 3, Canyon 4, and I know that those two are going to meet up, and that's going to be fun. And I actually have Park City 5, and then right outside of that, obviously, Stanford deserves a lot of credit. So, you know, there's good teams and there's good depth in that classification. Even though I, I think Skyview is a cut above everybody else, and even though I think they're a more explosive team than Ridgeline, I think Ridgeline because of familiarity, because of the crossover with coaches, and because of what goes into that game. If they were to meet up again, you would have a very tight, close game. That's why I have them as number two. Uh, Tony Parks joining us here on the Full Court Press. Uh, speaking of ranking, let's go to the college football side of things. Uh, you now have almost every conference now is going to be part of the football season. They all decided, hey, you know what, we can actually do this. Uh, what is your thoughts on a shortened uh, Power 5 conference football season with still four playoff spots going to, are going to be up to grabs? How would you work that? You being an AP voter, uh, or at least an inside knowledge of AP voting, how would you handle that situation with the shortened season? Yeah, when I was voting in the AP, you know, it was already tough enough to, to – you know, put together not a preseason, you know, top 25, did a lot of homework, you know, you're doing projecting, but you don't really know until these games get going. Right. So then when the games get going, you know, now you have a, you know, vast, you know, gap that happens to be there between quality scheduling, quality performance, things like that. So even trying to measure all of that was certainly a challenge. And then you get to weeks four, five, six, seven, then you started to feel like, you know, you at least had some sort of grip on this thing, even though even it was still controversial. If I was the AP, this year I would have had a top 15. I would have had a top 15 while everything's going on and you don't have several conferences playing yet. And then once those conferences get playing, then you expand to a 25. Now, if I was voting in the poll now, even if I had to do a 25, I would not include teams that are not playing yet. I mean, I just wouldn't. I mean, it's just... Like, you're going to be a team that isn't playing yet, and you're going to find yourself moving up and down in the, in the ballot while you're still six weeks away. We don't even know what these teams are like health-wise before and after camp. We don't know what these teams are like even with live bullets out there on the field. Who's going to be moving on? Who's going to actually stay in play? I mean, there, there's so many things that are up here to rank a team right now. I couldn't do it. Like, I wouldn't do it. So I wouldn't have any Big Ten teams. I wouldn't have any Mountain West teams. I wouldn't have any Pac-12 teams. You know, I wouldn't do any of that. Um, but I also understand that different guys are going to do it differently. So I, I've said this, Ajay, 
it's nearly impossible this year. I mean, it really, really is impossible this year to try and, and, and vote on these. So I've definitely, while I'm looking over ballots, you know, cutting a lot of slack into understanding the logic for a lot of them and they're doing their best. There is no perfect. So they're just trying to be as best as possible. And that's going to be defined very differently. And I'm just hoping that when all of the games are done from all these conferences, that they don't fall in love with recency bias. They don't fall in love with a regional bias. They don't fall in love with a calendar bias. They don't fall in love with, you know, some of these weird tendencies that have started to happen in the history of voting that I think are, are very flawed. You know, the voting situation is flawed anyway. But then when you start to use uh, different um, strategies or mentalities that are flawed in its logic, I think that alone then starts to become a really big problem for the game. Are you surprised BYU dropped four spots in the AP poll? No, I'm not, just because, like, you have everybody else playing. You know, it's not just about, I have to try and explain this to everybody. You now have people including the Pac-12 and the Big Ten in this thing, right? So now you're including more teams that haven't played. They're giving their non-conference assessment the best way that they can. Like I said, this is why I wouldn't include those teams, but they are. And then when they're going to include that, then you have to mix in what's going on with BYU, who they played, how they played, all of that. So the, the hardest thing I had to explain to people when I was doing the voting is it's not just about your team. It's not, okay, you won, you dominated, you go up, two spots. No, it, it depends on what's happening with the other 129 teams, who they're playing, how they're playing, and how all the different dominoes are being affected. So it's... In this weird year, no, I'm not surprised that something like that would happen. Tony, you're not only incredibly uh, knowledgeable, but you're also one of the best voice impersonators that I've ever known. In fact, no, excuse me, the best voice impersonator that I know of ever in my life. Uh, I was wondering, in your wonderful Coach Lou voice, if you could talk to us about Notre Dame being in the ACC conference. So I'll tell you something. There's something every one of us need to fight for, and that's independence. You understand that? Independence is what we fought for for this country. Every single person out there, they said, hey, we want to be on our own. You get out of the backyard. This is our property, and dang it, we're going to own this thing and run it the way we want. But you have to understand there's risk in everything. There's risk when I ended up burning my finger on a hot tart. There's risk when I go down a slip and slide. There's risk when I try to trust the silent but deadly. But I still take those risks. And if you're Notre Dame, you got to take a few risks out there. You got to make sure you're playing football. And you got to make sure you go out there that if you're going to be in the ACC, that you're going to win the conference championship. And I think this team has what it takes to finally come through there. And I think they're going to find their way on top being number one of the country, number one of the conference. And once again, people are going to know that to be number one, sometimes you're going to be by yourself. And that's the case for me, and that's the case for them. <clears throat> Coach Lee, thanks for your time. Greatly appreciate you. you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, really quickly, I do want to turn to the NBA side of things. You've seen the playoff bubble coming as we start to wind it down with the Heat-Lakers finals matchup. Can you just tell me what you've seen from that so far, uh, the surprises or the disappointments, and, and what we get from this Heat-Lakers matchup? Well, the one thing I did say that was going to happen in this NBA bubble, if you will, is that the the year for unpredictable things to happen, it was it was more possible here than maybe it had ever been. 
Now, remember the lockout short years. You had crazy things happen, right? Like the Spurs started off terrible in 99, and then they just ripped off a bunch of wins. They went 37 and 13 and won the whole thing. So, and even that year, you had an eight seed go to the NBA Finals. Like, it was crazy. And that team was injured, beat up, and the next still went to the Finals. In the other lockout short year, you had crazy stuff happening, like the Spurs, who were so incredibly dominant all year, and then the playoffs started 10-0, and and then didn't win another game. They hit the wall. So, now you mix in all the variables that come with the bubble. Yeah, you had two, three games to one rallies, right? And... When you are going to play in the same gym with the same stuff rather than the travel back and forth and two road games, you know, Denver didn't have to face that against the Clippers. You have more of a chance for something like that to happen. You also have a chance for the Miami Heat to end up in the finals, right? Like you end up with, you know, opportunities like that to take place. So to see something obscure like that happen, I can't say that I was overwhelmingly surprised. I really wasn't. In terms of this matchup, I like the Lakers, but I still love the toughness and the uh, the attitude of this Miami Heat team. I think we're in for a good six-game series, um, but I think the more talented team uh, and the more well-rounded team of the L.A. Lakers, I, I think they're going to come out on top. But, you know, to see what we've seen with bizarre, random things happening, um, you know, that, that has been, in my opinion, a byproduct of an obscure year, which has been this year in the NBA bubble. I want to ask you a couple of quick questions about the Utah Jazz, but before I do so, Doc Rivers was let go today by the Clippers. Mm-hmm. One, did that surprise you? And two, who would you get to replace Doc if you were the GM? Well, I think Jeff Van Gundy might need to be at the top of that list, but Doc Rivers gets let go, and a lot of people are saying, man, that guy had so much success there. He did some great things. And, and by the way, I still think he's a great mind, and I'd love to interview him. In some ways, I'm not surprised, and here's why. That guy stepped in. He had overwhelming amounts of talent with multiple different rosters, right? And sometimes he, like, overperformed with maybe an under-talented roster that went to the playoffs a couple years ago and pulled off a massive comeback. Like, so there was some real good. But overall, you were given, you know, a Hall of Fame point guard, a the best power forward in the game at the time, best rim protector, best sixth man, dead-eye shooter. Like, you had pieces, and you had the best of some of those pieces – and you never did more than what Vinny Del Negro did when he was the head coach there. Mm. So you can't run Vinny Del Negro out of town at 56 and 26, and then you never do anything better than that, and then somehow believe that you should be able to just, you know, recycle, renew, and reuse. Like, that's not okay, if that's the standard to eventually hit championship level. So in some ways, not surprised. But yeah, I, I could see uh, Jeff Van Gundy being a guy that um, – might be in the mix for that. I wonder, I would like to see Becky Hammond get a chance uh, at head coaching positions, um, you know, for jobs like that. Uh, I don't see Mark Jackson being a guy that maybe gets the nod for that, but I'm, I'm wondering which guy is best fit for that roster and the leadership or lack thereof within that group of guys, because there's no way you can say they haven't had championship caliber talent in on the court for those teams. Um, and at the end of the day, they have not been able to reach supreme levels of success on Utah. Uh, with Utah Jazz, uh, they blow a disappointing 3-1 series lead to the Nuggets. Mm-hmm. Of course, you aren't the first team to do that this season. But when you look at the offseason, what are some of the changes or what are some of the needs for the Jazz, and, uh, and how do you fix this? Well, we can definitely go into personnel and this and that. And, you know, They weren't healthy without Bogdanovich. But I've said it on my podcast, Tony Park's podcast, and I'll say it right here. 
the first thing that has to start happening is I think the Jazz need a mindset shift. I really think they do. Um, this chip on the shoulder, nobody believes in us, we never get respect, we're going to go out and prove them wrong. It really sells well on social media. It fires up the fan base and endears people to them. A lot of guys on this team have a great story. Okay, but all that needs to go away now. It needs to be about understanding what the price is and how expensive it is in terms of investing what it means in leadership, toughness, and performance levels being at extremely high levels consistently, and defensive commitment if you want to get serious about winning a championship. You can ninth over a 30-day stand defensively and then have these alternating five- and four-game win-losing streaks and four no-show performances out of the All-Star break and tell me that it was something extrinsic that kept you from reaching some of the goals that you had set out to reach. This team was very talented. That front office did a good job bolstering the talent and making it more versatile. They have a coach that knows how to coach great things on offense and defense, for that matter. Um, now it's about leadership and, and those guys understanding that price and what it takes to be paid. So get rid of the underdog mentality. Get rid of that right now because you know what? People do believe in you. You know, you were all-stars, you know, defense player of the year two times. You know, people understand and are, and are giving the Jazz the respect they deserve. Now they have to go out and earn more. But they can't just make it about somebody else. they got to make it about themselves now. It's time to stop trying to prove everybody else wrong and start trying to prove yourself right. And that's where that focus needs to go back for the Utah Jazz. And I think you saw what happened. They were up three games to one, and they blew that 15-point lead. And now all of a sudden they find themselves in a position they didn't think they were going to be in. They can't play the chip on the shoulder thing. You know, so they went from, you know, we can win this thing to we have to win this thing to we better not blow this thing. And you saw that team tighten up and have some poor uh, stretches of performance in that 3-1 series collapse. So that mindset shift has to, has to happen, and I think that the, the final three losses can show you some of why that needs to change. Uh, Tony Parks, I appreciate you reminding me. How can people find your great podcast, and uh, where can they find it? Oh, yeah, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, more. Uh, the Utah Podca uh, Podcast Network, I actually do a gambling segment. You'd like this. There's a guy who uh, runs a sports book and, uh, or a, uh, a sports website, I should say, a gaming website. And in order for him to be on the show, he has to come on and he has to pick the games. But then he has to, he has like an imaginary bankroll, right? So <laughs> he can't just say, pick the Patriots, the Little Raiders, the six. But then he has to say, okay, I'm going to put down 330 to win three, right? So 330 to win three. And then I don't just tell everybody what his record is. I tell everybody what his number is. So he was like plus 600 a couple weeks ago. And then this week, depending on what happens tonight, he'll either end up plus 150 or like minus 380 or something like that. So, yeah, he took the uh, Ravens minus three. So it's kind of fun because he has to put his money where his mouth is. And let me tell you, he, he was all about it, and he's been pretty good so far this year. He's He's, you know, very calculated on which games and kind of how much imaginary money he's putting on each one. So it's been cool. It's been really, really cool. And it's called the Tony Parks Podcast, correct? Easy to find, yeah. Easy oh. to find. Tony, you are one of the best, man. I appreciate your friendship. I appreciate you for joining us on the show. Enjoy and be safe. All right. Go Bears. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs> All right. It's Tony Parks. Tony Parks Podcast, you can find it on uh, Stitcher's iTunes, Apple, so on and so forth. Uh, what a genuine good guy. I, I have so much respect for Tony Parks. I, I, we built a wonderful friendship while I was working in Salt Lake City Radio. 
and uh, he became one of my closest friends there in a place where you don't build a lot of close friendships. So, again, big thanks to Tony for joining us today. That was really good stuff, especially the Lou Holtz, Lou Holtz built, or I guess Coach Lou bit, I should say, not Lou Holtz. Uh, all right, uh, let's go to break. Coming back, I want to get into our uh, – uh, yeah, let's do this. Let's get into our full court pick six. Uh, we'll announce how that went down. I want to get to the RPI rankings for high school football. We talked about it with uh, Tony. And then get into the college football rankings as well as they came out. Uh, some teams fell, some teams moved up, but no reason why. And I think that's where the frustration is really coming from, from a lot of people. All right, so it's Full Court Press. I'm AJ Salveson. We'll come back for more. The Aggies are number one here. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. Full Court Press, quarter to five, 1069 The Fan. Hope you're all enjoying your Monday. Eric is going to be gone today and tomorrow. He'll be back Wednesday. All right, let's look at the Region 11 RPI standings. Uh, Green Canyon beat Bear River, 27-26. Another heartbreaker for the Bears, by the way. Uh, That's kind of been the theme of their season thus far, if you ask me. Uh, That is their, I believe that's their second. I guess they're 0-3 in region play. They're winless. But even though they're 0-3 in region play, they're still 11th. They're still just one spot outside of the top 10. Skyview, of course, is number one. They're undefeated, both 7-0 in region, or excuse me, 7-0 overall, 3-0 in region play. Ridgeline is number four. They drop a spot, even though they beat Logan by 30. They're uh, 6-1 overall, 2-1 in region play. Green Canyon who finally gets over the schneid uh, and uh, and gets a win over Bear River. They are 4-3 and three overall, 2-1 in region. They're the number 9 spot. As we mentioned, Bear River is 11, 3-4 overall, but 0-3 in region. But here's the kicker to that. Number 14 is Logan. They're 3-4 overall, and they're 2-1 in region play. So even though they have two region wins, two more than Bear River has, they're still three spots behind the Bears. Mountain Crest is 1-6 overall, 0-3 regional play, and they sit at 17th. Uh, looking at Box Elder in the 5A class, they're on a three-game winning streak, uh, and now they sit at the 12th spot, uh, and they have an opportunity to make it four in a row. They'll end up facing Woods Cross, who is winless so far this season. They're 0-7, 0-3. Uh, and in two-way, Rich, who is 1-5 and 1-2, is ranked 11th with a matchup uh, versus number 6, Enterprise. That is uh, That team is 4-3 and 3-1. and uh, they'll look uh, looking at the region schedule this week. Skyview will get Logan. That's at 7 p.m. You'll find that here on the fan, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. Uh, you will also have that game on our sister station, KVNU, 610 AM and 102.1 FM. Green Canyon hosts Ridgeline at 7 p.m. Uh, that game will be on 100.9 light FM and 104, 104.5 the ranch. Uh, Mountain Crest will host Bear River. I'll be on the call for that one as AJ Knight will be out. So it'll be on 107.7 FM. And uh, uh, that'll also be Quint Payne will be calling the coverage for the Bears on 104.9 The Ranch. Box Eller will take on Woods Cross. Again, Rich against Enterprise. Preston uh, has Sugar Salem. Malad versus Aberdeen. Westside is on a bye week, as is Bear Lake. So that's your update so far from the... High school side of things, again, if you want to be a part of the Preps Pick'em Contest, go to 1069thefan.com. Go to cashvalleydale.com 
and uh, jump in. The Preps Pick'em Contest is presented by the Logo Shop for all your high school needs. All your logo gear you want to get with a nice little high school logo on it, whether it's sweats, shirts, sweatshirt, a mask, you can have a high school logo on it. Go to the logo shop. They do the best work in town to do that kind of stuff. No one can do it better. Uh, you will win. For the winner this week will be $100. A $100 gift card, I should say, to Aquatech Car Wash. Being kind of crummy weather out there. A lot of dirt and rain and whatever the heck else to get on your car. Go get a car wash. Go to Aquatech. Let them take care of you. And if you win this week's contest, then you get a Aquatech gift card, $100 worth. Uh, for those who are waiting for the bread and butter uh, play of the week, we'll be presenting that around uh, the 5.15 mark, uh, maybe just a little bit earlier before that. But in the 5 o'clock hour, all you have to do is just listen in for when I call for it. And tell me the play that John Newbold and Rex Davis announced was the bread and butter play of the week. Presented by Old Gristmill. Winner will get four loaves of Old Gristmill bread. All right, let's get some college football rankings. Again, some movement up and down. What an upset week this was. This was incredible on the NCAA football side of things. Uh, quite a few upsets. Clemson, Alabama, Florida, Georgia, and Notre Dame are your top five right now. Notre Dame jumps up two spots. Uh, Georgia stays still at number four. One and two, Clemson and Alabama also stay put. Florida is at three. They jump up two spots. Uh, six, seven, eight, nine, and ten are as follows. Ohio State's at six. Auburn is seven. Miami, eight. Texas at nine. And Penn State at ten. How about Texas? Matt Wells and his Red Tech, or <laughs> his Red Raider team. At home, up 15 with three minutes left and blow that lead and lose that football game. That is a, that's a heartbreaking way. I know people are saying, well, it's to the eighth-ranked team in the nation. You're up 15 with three minutes left. Does it really matter? 11th in the nation is UCF. North Carolina is at 12th. A&M at 13th. Oregon, a Pac-12 team who's not being played yet. They weren't ranked, and they've moved up to the 14th spot. Penn State and Ohio State also uh, were not ranked, and they moved up to their positions. Now they're uh, valid to be in the poll. Mississippi State's at 16th after uh, their humongous win over the LSU Tigers, who dropped 14 spots, are now at 20th. Wisconsin is at 19th. Oklahoma drops 15 spots after they lost uh, to Kansas State. They are now 18th. Oklahoma State's at 17th. They dropped two spots. Cincinnati's at 15th after a tough loss to UCF. 20 through 25, again, it's LSU, Tennessee. BYU drops four spots. Even though they dominated Troy, they're two and zero on the season. Uh, Michigan's at twenty three, Pittsburgh at twenty four, and Memphis at twenty five. Big games coming up this week, though, uh, especially on the uh, SEC side of things. We're going to start finding out really quickly who's real and who's not. Uh, very, very early. Coming up here uh, in week five of the football season, quote unquote, week five. Uh, South Carolina uh, will play Florida. Uh, TCU's got Texas, Missouri versus Tennessee. Of course, Texas A&M, 13th in the nation, will play at Alabama. South Florida will play Cincinnati. Memphis will play SMU. Georgia will host Auburn. That's the Georgia ranked fourth. Auburn ranked seventh. And uh, number one, Clemson gets Virginia. 
More of the Full Court Press coming up next. Interviews, analysis, and a little bit of fun mixed in. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Welcome back to the Full Court Press. Hey, big thanks to 9835. I did say that Westside is on a bye week, and that is incorrect. Uh, Westside is going to be playing at Soda Springs. So 9835, thank you so much for correcting us. I... Uh, we will get that fixed ASAP uh, on our schedule. So, again, we apologize. All right. Uh, we are going to end this out. We'll come back next hour. You'll hear from Eric Franson, preview MLB and NBA Finals. All coming up here on Full Court Press. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. You can't call the Seahawks quarterback Russell Wilson a breakout star. He's already won a Super Bowl, almost won another. He's a seven-time Pro Bowler, and he's one of the faces of the league. But you still get the feeling that America is just starting to now wrap their heads around just how special he is. Wilson is thrown for 14 touchdowns in his first three games. That breaks the NFL record set by Patrick Mahomes in 2018. The Seahawks have needed every one of them because their defense is not very good. On Sunday, they blew a big lead to the Cowboys and held on for a 38-31 win. This year's narrative is the complete opposite of their Super Bowl year. Back in 2013, the defense was the face of the team. Russell was good, but Richard Sherman and the Legion of Boom were the face of the team. Now you tune in to watch Seattle because, well, you might see a shootout. And you're going to see a future Hall of Famer quarterback. So far, nobody's outgunned Russell Wilson and the undefeated Seahawks. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise.